Yar! Ahoy there, mateys, and welcome back to Domance Dawn, episode 32. I'm Luke, and I use he, him, and sometimes they, them pronouns, and I'm joined by my lovely, wonderful, and compassionate co-host, Janine. Hello, my name is Janine, your perfect little he-she. It's, it's a thing. We're gonna talk about it. There's some stuff that happens this time oh, in The God, Simpsons, yeah. and my pronouns are she, they. Yeah. If if for some reason you are continuing to listen to this part of the episode, but are not going to listen to the rest of the episode, don't, don't call trans women or trans men or non-binary individuals he, she's, unless they are specifically asking for you to do that. This is Dumbass Dog. This is a podcast where we talk about One Piece and The Simpsons as comparative forms of animation. Crossing the Pacific Ocean. And also crossing the Atlantic Ocean. Because uh, they're, they're both pretty worldwide phenomenons. Especially at this point in uh, the episodes that we're covering. If you got an ocean, we're gonna cross it. Uh-huh. And if you've got an ocean's dream... That could be a copy of the RPG based on one piece that I developed back during the pandemic that I kind of forgot that I had done. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be running a playtest, or I will have run a playtest by the time this episode comes out. Uh, and who knows? Maybe I will get back to it. Anyways, uh, this week on episode 42, we are wrapping up Water 7 with episodes that initially ran between February 5th and April 30th of the year 2006. And mentally, I can't think of anything that would have happened between this time for me. Cool. Let's see here. I am, in this point, right at my graduating year. So this is uh, senioritis. I am coasting. Um, so basically all of my time is devoted for to television. And I think I might have caught a couple of scenes of uh, some of these. But never enough to actually like watch an entire episode, you know? I would be looking forward to finishing up my sophomore year of high school, and in the upcoming year, I would go to uh, the Career Technical School to study graphic design. Also, Over the Hedge came out. The movie. And the video game, probably. Damn. I forgot about that. That there's a night that there's probably an over the hedge video game that exists. Mm -hmm. I mean, what would be the weirdest DreamWorks property to have a game? The Prince of Egypt. <laughs> I 
you gotta convert those pharaohs gotta get them gotta get those egyptians to spread that blood on their door otherwise their firstborns are going to die and you'll feel guilty about that maybe not really press x to let people go press the triangle button to remind them of what joseph did Because you know about Joseph with the Technicolor dream coat. So what do we do on this podcast? Uh, so we're first going to cover the Simpsons episodes that uh, ran during this time. We have a few of them, and some of them get very weird. One of them gets transphobic. So we've got the gamut. Uh, up first is My Fair Laddie. Bart accidentally destroys groundskeeper Willie's shack, so Marge invites Willie to stay with them. Lisa bets Bart that she can civilize him before the science fair, and at the science fair, Willie goes in disguise as a fancy man, and Lisa ends up winning because Willie is her science fair experiment, and no one knew that it was him. Willie then gets a job as a maitre d', but misses his old life because rich people are gross in different ways. And returns to being the groundskeeper again, and then the B-plot is about Homer wanting new blue pants, and he needs to promote them so he gets a tattoo on the back of his head, and that works, and then he just sells more ads on his body. I think for a musical episode, mm-hmm. it does pretty good. Yeah, I... I liked this more than the Evita one, but I also like My Fair Lady more than Evita. I think the B-plot also, um, it's not great. I mean, not it's not exceptional. It does have great, funny moments, but... Um, it also has a conclusion. That is true. Like, so many of the ones we've had recently have just kind of ended without a conclusion. I feel like this wasn't the best, but it 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 satisfied me. You, you get it for some interstitial jokes, a bit of crossover. And in the end, nothing is learned, but nothing is canonical. Everything is back to the status quo. I do like the over just... The overemphasis on blue pants. Gotta have blue pants. Blue pants, strong bad blue pants. Everybody have a blue blue pants. I can't do a good home star runner. What do we got next? The seemingly never-ending story. Homer causes a cave collapse at Carl's dad caverns and gets stuck and asks four stories which keep on layering. Lisa had gotten chased by a big horned sheep and ran into Burns's Manor where it chased both of them into the attic. There she found out that Mr. Burns had worked at Moe's for a bet because he lost everything in a scavenger hunt against the rich Texan where when he uh, because in that scavenger hunt he couldn't get a picture of himself smiling with a child while working at the bar Burns was mistreated but found out a secret letter about Moe's treasure. Moe had met Edna Krabappel when she moved to Springfield, but she hated booze, so Moe pretended to be a therapist and shut down the tavern, and he wanted to start a new life with her, but needed money. 
So he stole the ancient coins that Professor Snake, Jailbird Snake before he was Jailbird, brought in. And Edna went with him to go and quit working at the school. But then she ran into Bart, who was secretly unknown, unknown to her, stealing microscopes and promised to help him do better at school because he pretended to be a student who nobody would have believed in. And then when she told Mo, Mo dumped her and put all the coins into the jukebox playing their song. Burns then traded those coins back to the rich Texan to get everything that he wanted back, except he still needed a photo of him with a smiling child to get the plant back. So then, back in the attic, Burns saves Lisa from the goat, who it turned out was just trying to return her necklace, so Lisa takes a photo of herself smiling with Burns, that way he can get the plant back. And then Homer reveals that he saw the rich Texan hiding the coins in Carl's dad caverns, which is why he brought the family there. And then everyone else who was aware of the coins shows up and Marge sees them fighting. So she throws the coins away. And it turns out that this was all a story where Bart was explaining why he couldn't study for a test. And then it gets verified when Mo and Edna start making out. It was a weird one to write a summary for because there was not a way to make that any simpler without cutting out plot. I think you did a good job just running through it because, ah, uh, damn. Thank you. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of people who do not like Professor Snake as a concept. Which is, I, I think that's funny. But uh, yeah, what a complicated episode that actually pulls itself off. Yeah. Any other comments on this one? Um, very, very easily wrapped up. Thank you for throwing away the gold. Everybody goes and leaves. Burns is deciding to try to sneak down and try to get the gold. Very, mm. very, uh, very Final Fantasy fourteen Heavensward. I Those don't know. gamers will know what I'm talking about. I don't know which Final Fantasy that one is, because I kind of stopped being aware of them after X2. It is the online game. Oh, the RPG. The the yeah. MMORPG. Okay. Yes. The, uh, the, I'm referencing a scene in the first expansion that's well known. Blaze of the Night Scourge. Gulch of the Unending Forest. The Dragon's Panda. Am I, am I remembering the name of the DLC or am I just putting things together? Uh, the next episode was Bart has two mommies. Ned wins a computer and gives it to Marge as a gift, but asks her to babysit Rod and Todd, and they get along very well because they want a maternal figure. Marge helps them to start having fun, even though they sometimes get hurt or scared. She takes him to a safety play place, but Ned doesn't believe in his boys, and they get hurt as a result, and he blames Marge. 
Meanwhile, Homer took the kids to the animal retirement home. Toot toot the chimp ends up stealing. Barton tries to mother him, refusing to let him go. Marge finds out about this and feels like a bad mom. Meanwhile, Rod and Todd are unhappy without her. Marge goes in to get Bart back, but Toot Toot escapes with Bart up onto the new church steeple. It was another subplot. Uh, Lisa ends up getting Mr. Teeny, who is Toot Toot's son, which doesn't really make sense uh, to help calm things down. And then Rod heads up to help save Bart, but Ned doesn't believe in him at first and is worried about him getting hurt. But then Marge tells him to believe in Rod, and Rod climbs up the tower and helps to save Bard, and Rod is gay. And Rod is gay. And Rod is gay! It's a decent one. I mean, the A and B plots actually tie in together. I don't feel like they had much to say about the animal retirement home or anything like that, but that's fine. It was pretty good, and it was really good to see um, some development from Ned, because I do believe that, like, they were going pretty hard on his, like, uptightness. Yeah, yeah, I felt like this definitely kind of, like, softened him up a bit, because even in the last episode, when, like, he came back, he came back, like and gleefully returned to judging everybody. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. But this one Uh, definitely, like, left me feeling a lot better about Ned. That's good. I, I, I think Ned, when he's written well, is best off meaning to help and just has some issues that he needs to get over to do that. I mean, when you really think about his position right now, like it kind of makes sense why he would want to be so overprotective after uh, his wife had died from a t-shirt cannon accident. One yep. of the most fun things that could happen. And it, yeah, it did lead to somebody getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was also nice to see Maud um, in heaven. Mm -hmm. I assume that's what it was. Yeah. I didn't know if we were going to go between Protestant heaven and Catholic heaven. You know, it's it's all transitive and fluid and means nothing. Might Uh, be different clouds, but they're all in the clouds. After that, we have Homer Simpson, This Is Your Wife, where Homer signs up for a wife swap show to get the money for his own TV. Margins of swapping places with Verity, who is a mean professor who hates her husband, Charlie. Marge is nice to Charlie, and so he falls in love with her, tries to seduce her, and she rejects him because Charlie fucking sucks. And Charlie... Plans to then confront his wife about her being mean to him, but it turns out that she already broke up with him because she realizes that she is a lesbian and ends up in a relationship with Patty. Good for you, Patty. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, Charlie is played by, uh, what's his name, British Office. Ricky Gervais. Yeah, I, I, I 
don't care for the guy. Yeah, um, transphobe, sure, but also like comedy and general energy. Yeah, like to be honest, like he's basically making fun of himself in this, but it's done in such a way where it's just like, yeah, no, no, you actually, you actually do suck though. Yeah. You suck and I don't like you. And it's just like, like... There's no redeeming quality to the character. It's supposed to be awkward humor, but it isn't even awkward enough for it to work because there's no reality to the character. You're just a shitty little piss boy. Yeah, and and once that hits, it's just like, it's even more funny about how non-reactive everybody else is around him because it's like, no, yeah, that is how non-reactive I am. And just like from that meta level, it it's unintentionally funny in a different way. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like it says how little there is to that story that I got through that in a, like half the time it took me to get through Bart has two mommies. There's nothing. It's a slow episode. It's a bad episode. Uh, speaking of euthanizing old people, uh, the next one is Million Dollar Eighty, where Abe knocks the commissioner of football out on accident and Springfield loses their chance to have a football team. The entire town hates Abe, who tries to get euthanized, but the clinic is shut down before he is killed. He thinks that he was killed initially, but then is corrected and decides to live his life to the fullest. The town decides to convert the football stadium that they made into a bullfighting ring with Grandpa as the matador. Lisa is against Grandpa killing the bulls and talks to him, so in his next match he frees all the bulls from the stadium and they cause chaos. Another weird one! I gotta say, though, um... I didn't hate where it went. No, I I, I think kind of how you value life and the ability to have experiences is important, but also Ohio voters, uh, your, your chance to vote on this issue would have passed by the time this episode goes up. Hopefully issue one has passed. Also, hopefully issue two has passed because that will make it easier to legalize weed in the state. Um, but yeah, issue one is the, uh, abortion one. And, uh, yeah. We here on Domance Dawn are in support of women's right to choose. We are, yeah. Dun 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 dun. I feel like I, I have... got into a weird place. Like I wait. What what are we referencing for abortion rights? I lost the plot there. Um, but yeah. Uh, enjoy your life to the fullest. As much as responsibly as, responsibly as you can. These are also episodes where it's notably, I kind of remember watching some of these and other ones. It's like, oh, no, I don't think I've seen this one before i just watched this episode today Mm -hmm. and what impressed me the most was 
the artistic way they kind of conveyed Abe taking the life of the first bull mm-hmm. with Lisa's eyes going down as she left. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it felt like a very interesting artistic expression in such a very weird spot because there had been such, you know, Simpsons humor already. So it was, it was delightful to get like a little bit of that. Fair. I've watched these episodes last week and did not remember that. Up next, we have Kiss Kiss Bang Bangalore. Uh, the B-plot is Patty and Selma meet Richard Dean Anderson, who hates MacGyver, so they kidnap him. He escapes, but then decides to keep getting kidnapped so he can escape more, but he ends up annoying Patty and Selma, so they chase him off by showing him a slideshow. Uh, the A-plot is Burns decides to outsource the plant to India with Homer getting to keep his job, but he has to move to India, so Homer uses a management book with aphorisms that he got from Marge, and the plant already runs itself very well. And because it's not falling apart, he is given full control over the plant and decides that he is a job. Burns and the Simpsons come back to bring Homer home, uh, but they find that the plant worships Homer uh, because he talked about American business benefits that he gave them with a new union contract. And then Burns decides to shut down this plant to bring it back to Springfield, which the Indian employees are very happy about because they also had very good severance plans it is very right on one side and holy shit is it racist on another side it's weird right it is it is uh also i feel like they they kind of poke fun at the idea of oh yeah this nuclear plant that is being run is all the way across the ocean um yeah it it's 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 is a weird one you ever see kiss kiss bang bang i haven't uh the first like five minutes a guy sticks the carrot up another guy's ass to uh attack him that seems unnecessary but okay Oh, uh, you were going to have a comment about the episode. <sighs> I feel like that there was... It definitely would have been a lot more racist if it happened in an earlier season. Yeah. Like, it wasn't... I hate, and I hate to say, like, scales of racism, because any level is still kind of, like, uncomfortable and bad and shouldn't be on television, but, like, it is... uh, I feel better than the China episode. 
That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is also less of a tourist episode. That is true. But yeah, uh, still not great. And also when doing the character list for this, I realized that we had seen most of the uh, Indian deities or the Hindu deities that show up in other episodes previously. Uh, after that, we had the wettest stories ever told. The Frying Dutchman is taking too long to get the food out, so the Simpsons tell stories. Lisa tells about the pilgrims coming to America, and it's not good. Uh, Bart tells the story of the mutiny on the HMS Bounty, uh, except at the end they sail to the South Pole and everyone presumably dies, and then Homer tells the story of the Neptune, which is essentially... Uh, the, the the one where the ship flips over. I, the Poseidon Adventure. The Poseidon Adventure. And then at the end of that one, the ghost ship of the bounty shows up and everyone's a ghost. Like, none of them are super great. I particularly kind of zoned out during the Neptune one. It... The best thing that these do for us is give us some nautical themed variants of established characters we can play with. Hell yeah. In different eras too. Mm-hmm. Like this one gives us like three Barts. Yeah. We got three Barts. We aren't afraid to show it. And then the last one, uh, Girls Just Want to Have Sons, is the most offensive one? Wait, uh, we get four Barts, because we also get the skeleton, ghost skeleton Bart. Oh, yep, yeah, fair point, fair point. I I made a mistake. Uh, but yeah, Girls Just Want to Have Sons is Skinner of Saxus and gets fired, so the school is divided by gender by the new principal. The new school for girls doesn't teach anything except for self-esteem. So Lisa pretends to be Jake Boyman so she can feel challenged. Lisa gets into a fight with Nelson and loses, and then Bart figures out uh, who she is and offers to help her. Bart has Lisa beat up Ralph to establish dominance, and she easily makes him cry and gets accepted by the boys. At the award ceremony at the end of the year, Lisa reveals that she won uh, as being best in math or whatever, but she had to change who she is, maybe. It doesn't make a clear point. It tries to make a joke about not having a clear point, and it fails. Like, if its point was gender is a complicated subject, that would be one thing, but they don't even get that across well, and uh, they drop the T-slur. Yeah, we get mm -hmm. we get one. From Nelson, pretty early on. Yeah. And um, while... I feel like Skinner in a dress trying to seem woke can still be a joke that works now. Mm -hmm. But like in a different way where the crowd is instead not belittling him, but 
just shouting out corrections of the microaggressions that he's like doing. Yeah. Like, and Skinner sucks straight up. Like, mm-hmm. but it also does try to like, like fucking. I get that this is kind of like coming off of the cynical nineties and getting up into like edgy thousands and like the idea of teaching self-esteem to girls is like so odd for people and like to be honest dog I'm a woman right now and I don't always like myself because there's a lot going against me and like if I had a little bit of self-confidence building like that it would have definitely like solved so many of my problems that I've had I've tried to solve through like illicit substances and like turning my brain off there was definitely that like we need to help and inspire women to speak up more and raise their voices and opinions. And I think part of the problem was, yeah, teaching them to do that is helpful, but it doesn't help when you have institutional organizations that are going to still keep women down, are going to give them uh, positions of power or won't give them positions of power where they are also able to help other women out as well because that's one of the biggest things it's the oh yeah we let one woman come in uh to like be on our leadership team that uh dissolves all of your uh criticisms and it just so happens that she agrees with everything that us men folk are saying like that doesn't help anything yeah it don't and the emphasis of trying to teach it to the girls did nothing to educate any boys to not be continue. Shit. Yeah, to not continue the same systems of oppression that have already, you know, that they benefit from, that they can, that are that they're set up so well to continue enacting in small ways every day. Mm-hmm. sometimes without even thinking about it that they'll still uphold those same ideals just because it's more comfortable to them to have so many more positive things associated to people like them and not so much on something that seems so alien to them in you know women mm-hmm. this is our issues episode ah <sighs> Also, it's an episode about trains. Everybody loves trains. And the thing is, is that I like the character design of Jake Boyman, and I would Mm -hmm. love to use Jake Boyman in our show. Mm Mm-hmm. But Jake Boyman is also going to have the curse of, like, being from this show. From this particular episode. Yeah. I think that's also fair. Simpsons writers, what the fuck were you on during some of these episodes? You had some good ones and you had some shit ones. New characters who have been unlocked include 
Coach Krupp, a.k.a. Mr. Bombardment, uh, the Invisible Man in blue pants, Huggy Bear, but not uh, the old one that we've seen previously, MacGyver, we've actually seen MacGyver now, uh, Mozekiel, uh, Sailor Dolph, Portis, uh, Assistant Groundskeeper Skinner, and the number 27. Oh, also we get another Jim Jam Bonks. We, we get the Jim Jam Bonks impersonator. Oh, and I forgot, we have a late-era Simpsons meme in these episodes, Janine. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the uh, meme where uh, Moe throws Barney out and then Barney reappears in the bars from uh, the seemingly never-ending story. Oh, yeah. I do remember that now, but... Whew. I feel like I saw it earlier, but no, it definitely is from this. I know. So, remember to sick that and your enemies pipe and smoke it. Oh, we also, like, in a decent part of the girls just want to have some things. We also get a Julie Taymor uh, Lion King design for Itchy and Scratchy, which some of those will be helpful in the future, probably. All right. I would want to see a full episode where it is just that production because I think they can do it. And from what they did with the music, just playing around, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Episodes that we are covering of One Piece this week include Rescue Our Friends, The Oath That Links the Enemies. Smash the wave. Luffy and Zoro, the strongest combo. A man of mystery appears. His name is Sogeking. Cook confrontation. Sanji versus Ramen Kenpo. Who will on the roof? Break it first, Nero. Crash, demon cutting Zoro versus ship cutting T-Bone. Robin struggles. Sogeking's clever scheme. The Judiciary Islands, the full picture of Eni's lobby. The Rocket Man explodes out of Water 7, and they are joined by the Frankie family, King Bulls, Sodom, and Gamora. And Granny Kokoro helps them to find the railway before realizing that Chimney and Gonbei have also snuck on board the ships. Uh, if you aren't on... If you randomly just jumped in on this episode... Uh, Nico Robin has been captured along with Frankie by CP9, who are more or less the CIA who are taking them because they have very dangerous information uh, to Innie's lobby and they have to be stopped before they get there. And the only ways are trains. So there's two trains. There's Puffing Tom, that's CP9, Robin, Frankie, Usopp, and Sanji are on, and then there's Puffing Tom, where everyone else is on. Or, and, and then there's Rocket Man, where everyone else is, and that's the secret train that no one knew about. That's a catch-up, right? I think that's good enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how our guest next week, or 
how our guest next episode deals with jumping in on where the fuck we are. Iceberg, meanwhile, remembers when Frankie had returned as a cyborg and he and Frankie was upset that Iceberg was building chips for the world government. And Iceberg was also not ready to forgive Frankie for what he had done, but he still wanted Frankie to hide the blueprints and hide his name. On the Rocket Man, Polly reveals the truth that the other architects and Blue Ma- uh, that the other architects and Blue Know were members of CP9 to the other Galela members. And as it comes closer to the massive Aqua Laguna wave, there is no way to slow down or change course. So Luffy, the Frankie family, and Galela work to destroy the wave. Meanwhile, on the Puffing Tom, Captain T-Bone, who is overly giving, hears that guards have been getting knocked out and that Usopp and Frankie are missing. Sanji, meanwhile, calls in on the transponders still to Nami and gets an update on what is going on with Robin. Back on Rocket Man, the Frankie family and Galela are unable to destroy the wave as it comes closer, so Luffy and Zoro head out and attack the wave together, allowing Rocket Man to pass through. I love when you're just powerful enough to make a hole through a wave. It was a very fun sequence. Mm-hmm. It's dumb bullshit. Like, it's it's very anime, and I like it. I've, I've been rereading it, and I am currently towards the end of Wano, which means nothing to you, Janine. But, uh, yeah, gosh, One Piece is very good. Minus, like, a few areas in, like, a couple hundred episodes that I'll have to give Janine warnings about, because they're not great. So, uh, Luffy gets on the phone with Sanji then and tells him not to wait and he needs to go and save Robin no matter the cost. And then Sanji accidentally breaks the snails. Uh, Usopp, meanwhile, feels guilty learning what Robin is doing for her friends. And Frankie is an emotional wreck about all this. I love that Frankie just cries about very emotional scenes and is also very manly. It's It's a great dichotomy. He's a brave warrior who will also cry all the time. He feels the emotion. He's mm-hmm. he's not like some robot. I guess. Usopp meanwhile decides that he won't come along on the mission because it is too dangerous and he isn't part of the crew anymore and so he leaves and it's like Usopp where the fuck are you going? Because you're on a train in the ocean. Are you just going to, like, jump off and, like, swim back or something? That that seems like a bad choice. But apparently that's what he does. A Marine then finds Sanji and Frankie on the roof, but they are taken out by a mysterious new figure. Soge King! The King of Snipers! You are so proud of yourself. Janine. Do you know what they call Soge King in the United States? What do you what, what do they call him? Sniper King! 
because Soge means sniper. Well. Mm-hmm. Both and of them sound really cool. They do. Like, Sniper King is a great character. He is, especially at this point, so full of mystery. And I'm I'm excited for you to get to see what he does, because Usopp is gone forever. I'm pretty sure Usopp dies <laughs> during this arc. And, uh, you know, I think that Soge King could be anyone behind that mask. I think it could be you or me. Wow. What if we are both Soge King? What if both of us are helping the Straw Hats? If I knew about Soge King before Halloween, I would have tried to be Soge King for Halloween. It is such a fucking good look. It and is. like the island of snipers, where even is that? It's in your heart. Okay, yeah, it did set you up for that, but it was a very good execution. Thank you. Yeah. Usopp is dead forever. <laughs> But we have Soge King to accompany us, who, uh, like, I was getting into a discussion on Facebook, and it's like, oh, well, Condoriano is a famous straw hat, but, I mean, he is no Soge King. I mean, Condoriano had to be nerfed permanently. He was such an important part that they just had to retcon him into being filler. There's people who don't even know who Condoriano is. Oh, man. Uh, meanwhile, Nami changes and prepares to use her new weapon, the perfect climb attack, which Usopp had enhanced with dials before he left, presumably died. Also, there's a scene where Nami just changes clothes in front of everybody, and I think that's in this one. To be honest, I get it. I've done it before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You just gotta get other clothes on, and it's just like, fucking whatever. Luchi and CP9 are alerted about the intruders on the train while Sanji and the team trick the majority of the Marines moving into a single car at the back of the Puffing Tom before they disconnect that train car, stranding them on the line, which is great train strategy. Sanji and Soge King, meanwhile, find out that Frankie is a cyborg, but only on the front because he couldn't reach his back, and also he has a fridge for cola in his stomach. How great is Frankie? I love Frankie. Like, he's so himself. Mm -hmm. And he says a line later on that, like, definitely sticks with me. And you'll know it. Then we'll get to it. But it's just like, I'm just kind of like, you know, I do like that they took the time to, like, really flesh this guy out with being positive, dog. 
mm-hmm. you see so many other people just all hardened after they almost <laughs> die but there's some there's a light about him the fucking like yeah he got hit by a train yeah he's responsible for the death of the person that he respects the most yeah, yeah. his parents who are pirates just tossed him off the boat because they didn't want to deal with him but like throughout all of that he has a group a family of misfits that'll do fucking anything for him mm-hmm. cuz he'll do fucking anything for them yeah like that's 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 what i want to be like that's so fucking awesome frankie has that big queer solidarity yeah and big trans energy What if I just become a butch-like fucking Frankie? I think that you could pull it off. Uh, Are you willing to dye your hair electric blue? I also think that you could pull that off. Maybe? I think I could do that. Uh, Do you know what character Frankie is based off of? No. Alrighty then. Ace Ventura. Oh yeah, I see yeah, it with the hair yeah. and the. Mm-hmm. I told you this was coming like a bunch of episodes back when we were talking about Bond Clay. I wonder what that guy's up to. I hope he's doing good. That explains why I like him so much because Bon Clay is still like probably my number one, even though he's a Mr. Two Bon Clay. Uh, also, they have the same voice actor. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as the trio moves into car four, they reach the kitchen where the steward Wanzi makes ramen in his nose, and he challenges them to a fight against his ramen kinpo, and since it's in the kitchen, Sanji accepts the fight. Wanzi is a weirdo who makes ramen armor for himself and captures Sanji, but then he gets distracted by Sanji's eyebrows before he just starts smashing Sanji across the kitchen. Sanji tries to kick him in the head, but Wanzi instead shoots him with pasta from his nose, and since Sanji only knows kicks, Wanzi feels confident in his victory, but then Sanji grabs knives and starts cutting through the noodles for disrespecting the food and the kitchen and destroys the armor, and then he kicks Wanzi in the face hard enough for insulting Robin that Wanzi becomes Bishonen and then knocks him out. I love this fight. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like it does a good job of showing like that they don't the enemies don't have to be competent even they just have to be annoying in a specific way mm-hmm. and it will fuck these guys up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
there's there's a part in where I'm reading where just Luffy and Zoro flash back to wait, they knocked over or they wasted soup and that is enough to send them into mighty fighting rage because of just something that happened chapters earlier and it, it, it like Oda knows how to sell a villain over the most ridiculous shit uh, Frankie meanwhile runs into Nero who is the newest member of CP9 on the top of the Puffing Tom Nero has access to some of the six powers which allow him to do things like move through the air but neither of the fighters are really sure what the other is capable of doing Nero sneaks up and shoots Frankie in the back, putting him on the defensive, so Frankie just lies on his back for a moment before unveiling his uh, transformation ability, Frankie Centaur! And then uses that build to lock down Nero's limbs, because Frankie's a, Frankie's a wonderful freak. Also, I like how in Japan, Frankie says Henshin to change, but they always hear it as Hentai. <laughs> so in the US dub he says convert and they think that he says pervert which you know that's that's transformation or that's a translation for you meanwhile Soge King has used a pair of octo shoes to walk on the side of the train to talk to Nika Robin he sneaks into the car and tells her about Frankie and Sanji also being on the train, and also lets her know that Iceberg survived the murder attempt. Robin denies wanting help, and then Corgi comes in to check on her, so she hides Soge King. Rocket Man, meanwhile, catches up to the cut-off portions of the Puffing Tom. Luffy shoots himself into the train cars to look for Sanji, uh, and then when the agents try to attack him, Luffy has Zoro cut the train car in half, and they are able to pass through without a problem. And as they're going, they see a Sea King that got sliced in half. Rocket Man continues until they run into T-Bone, who is walking out of the line, and Zoro knocks him off, and he lands into the ocean where his men continue to work to save him. I, I do appreciate that T-Bone is the guy who is just overly giving, and his men generally like him for that, and he's very strong. He just does not get a chance to show that in battle. T-Bone's going to make weird reoccurrences. I I love that he's just been subverted every single time so easily. Mm-hmm. Like... Just kind of building him up as like, oh, he's going to be something, and like, oh, no, wait, they disconnected the cars. It's just... Ah, mm-hmm. uh, it was such a curveball, but I'm so glad it happened. It's D&D shit. Yeah. Corgi, meanwhile, suspects that Robin is hiding someone, and Soge King reveals himself to stop Corgi. That's when Frankie smashes Nero's face so hard that the roof of the train they are fighting on falls in, and Nero is kicked out of CP9 because he failed. Uh, Lucy then says that Nico Robin is better off being killed because of how dangerous she is. Uh, Robin reveals Soge King and attacks him because he isn't an ally. Soge King throws a uh, smoke bomb and tries to run off with Robin in the chaos, but that's when Khalifa uses her whips to keep the trains from separating because Soge King tried to disconnect them. 
Uh, Bluno then works to hold the trains together. Sanji tries to smash Bluno, but can't break through his uh, power of not getting hurt. Robin then knocks out Soge King, tells Sanji to let her go, and that distracts Sanji long enough for Kaku to kick him off the train. Uh, Frankie does actually disconnect the train from where Bluno is holding it, so that he ends up on the train with the CP9 agents on the Puffing Tom, while Bluno, Soge King, and Robin are on the other train with Sanji. But Bluno just uses the Dorder fruit, stabs through Soge King, kicks Sanji, and then takes Robin back. And before she leaves, Soge King tells Robin to always believe in Luffy. And then Robin has a flashback of the buster call she experienced as a child. Bluno leads Robin back onto the main train, and Frankie goes after her. Meanwhile, back on the Rocket Man, Yokozuna appears on the tracks to try and stop it, and actually successfully derails the train and then gets into a fight with Luffy. That's when Granny Kokoro talks to Yokozuna the Giant Frog and tells him to get ready to fight the people who took Tom, which are the people who made Yokozuna hate the sea train. Meanwhile, the Frankie family is still getting pulled by Sodom and Gamora, and they run into the disconnected train car with Soge King and Sanji inside of it. As the Puffing Tom arrives at Innie's lobby, Frankie tells Robin that she isn't wrong just for living, and she isn't a crime just for living, and Frankie continues to put up a fight, and we see our first shot of Innie's lobby, which is a massive uh, floating island connected by a land bridge over a huge hole in the ocean. Fucking Minecraft-ass place. Yeah, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I... One Piece. One Piece. One Piece. One Piece. So... Yeah, that was... That was a lot. I, I'm glad we have Soge King here. And I'm sorry that Usopp is lost. <laughs> I mean, I think Usopp would like to save his friends, but he's just afraid of admitting that he he made a mistake. I can definitely see the emotion behind it. I can definitely see the pride. But I could also definitely see the silliness behind it. Behind what? Um, it's wrestling, man. That's that's what this is. This is wrestling. A masked fighter all of uh -huh. a sudden shows up with just yeah. when you just when you need it. Uh huh. So conveniently. Yeah. All I'm all I'm saying is let's just wait till the pay per view. Let's just keep on watching. I'm, I'm oh, not, oh, I'm I see. I fantasy, see. I'm not making any you fantasy think, bookings, but... You think that, like, we're going to get a scene where Usopp and Soge King team up, and they're, like, both amazing <laughs> snipers, like, side by side? God, that would be awesome. That would, like, fucking own bones. That would be Divine.com 1999. Yeah. Uh, Soge King is a mysterious new sniper, and, you know, he is here forever. 
it, uh -huh. it is weird that we never see him with Usopp. All right, then. What what characters do we have to work on tonight? All right. Uh, we have six characters to mash tonight, and luckily, our first two come in a pair. That is Sodom and Gamora. And it's like, hey, Oda, uh, I know why you probably picked these names, but are you familiar with what cities were actually destroyed for because that's not what most people think i mean do you know what sodom and gomorrah were actually destroyed for uh not rewinding the videotapes before they returned them uh no they were just very disrespectful to guests oh wow that's that's putting it kind of lightly but yeah uh yeah, it's it's not great. There's a lot and Lot's wife and she turns to Saul. That's a joke. Uh so my Rodrigo styles were I think it would be kinda of funny to have the puppet itchy and scratchy. Ooh. In these roles. Uh my kind of oh no, I regretted it as soon as I wrote it down was Siren, Patty, and Selma. Ooh. And then the... Well, I guess if we wanted something sort of dinosaur-like, we do have access to Dino and Hoppy from the Flintstones. Hmm. I'm interested in who you've got for Sodoms and Gomorrahs. I phoned it the fuck in. That's fine. And I just got the kissing fish. There was just a, I just looked up fish in the Simpsons wiki, saw that they were kissing fish. There were two of them. There were two of these, and I put that as my placeholder, and I thought, I probably will have enough time to go back and add another name, right? And I thought that for a lot of these, and uh turns out, no. Well, but know, this is, news. what is the good news? Jesus loves you. I guess that's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I just got an update from that one welder guy who had no ideas for our fan suggestion one this week. <laughs> and I won't, re I won't repeat that one online. Um... So I feel like the puppy, I feel like the puppet itchy and scratchy would be cool or I'd be good with Dino and Hoppy just because uh, I think I've wanted to use them before and they are dinosaur-like and it would be neat to have something animated in uh, again. I'd be fine with that more than Puppet, Itchy, and Scratchy. I feel like Puppet and Itchy and Scratchy could be able to be useful later on. Oh, yeah, because uh, there's a arc with all the puppets. Arc with all the puppets. That uh -huh. terrifies me. Okay. You're both literal and metaphorical, Janine. Wow. Uh-huh. Who do we have next? Uh, up next, we got T-Bone. 
to bone. Tiberius Bone. He's very tall. He looks old as fuck. And he's got big black puffy hair. Who do you have? Okay. Luke. Uh-huh. I don't have any other name. But I gotta tell you. Uh-huh. If you choose this one, uh-huh. it'll be so fucking funny. Uh-huh. Angel Skeleton. The one that was actually made to promote the ball? Yes, the very same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, the guy, like, is definitely reminiscent of, like, the fucking skeleton. He's named T-Bone, obviously, so it's like, all right, let's look at some skeletons, and we have some good ones, the ghost skeletons. Mm -hmm. I could definitely throw in like a ghost skeleton Kearney in the same place too, if you feel like you wanted an impromptu Rodrigo. I'll add that on. But also the angel skeleton would be so fucking funny. Okay, but Janine, we we have need of actual skeletons. Uh, My two suggestions are, uh, my Rodrigo style is Commander McBrag, who appeared in the um, scavenger hunt. He's the guy who's like, is that a reference to someone else? And yes, it is. I will pull up. Oh, wild, I already had that uh, image pulled up. Or I had that tab open in another window. I have so many windows open, Shane. Uh, so, this is Commander McBrag, who was kind of just a throwaway. I wanted to use someone with a military name in there. Uh, the other suggestion that I have is the Mutant Sideshow Mel from Homega Man. Hmm. Because there we get the hair, we get the gaunt, unhealthy appearance, and we get a degree of dignity. Have we used Mutant Sideshow Mal before? Uh, we have used Mr. Gamel, and we had to cast Mr. Mello. We have not. I believe he has come up before, but we have not used him. Huh. Mm-hmm. I do like him for this role. Thank you. So you're good with uh, Mutant Sideshow Mel for T-Bone? Yep, I'm good with Mutant Mel. All right. We then have... Soge King! I'm so happy to have that button. Uh, so, my Rodrigo style was El Cabong! 
but my other suggestion is uh, Radioactive Man Costume Millhouse. Hmm. Who do you have? I have uh, Millhouse as Fallout Boy in the Radioactive Man movie. And I have uh, Millhouse, uh, Capital City Millhouse. Mm -hmm. it, it's weird that three of these four are Millhouse. I'm not sure what that says. Because. Millhouse is our Usopp, but Sogei King and Mil or Sogei King and Usopp aren't the same person. I was also thinking Teen Millhouse, but I don't know if we used him already. Mm -hmm. Also, do you need a refresher on the Radioactive Man costume Millhouse? Yes, I do. Uh, it is from the episode where we get Stretch Dude Bart. Where it is Milhouse wearing a Radioactive Man costume, and he is wearing a shirt where Radio where Radioactive Man says "Trick or Treat" on it. Wow, that is a reference to a style of um, costume that uh, doesn't exist anymore. It is like I. I saw on YouTube uh, just somebody's home video footage of trick-or-treating in 1991 in a mall. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, he had a costume like that. Like mm -hmm. fucking, like this kind of fucking blue thing with the white piece of the front that had the character and he was wearing the character face as a plastic mask. And it was just like seeing this right here, it just kind of, Huh. I do kind of feel, though, that that is just a little bit too cutesy, and I do like the production value of the Fallout Boy costume on Millhouse a lot better. But the mask. We can table this for a moment. I mean, Sogei King does have, I believe, 80 stars of importance. Sure. La 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 la. All right. We then have onesie. Uh, who do you have for onesie? I only have one, and it's inspired very much from just something that happens. Um, in the uh, Simpsons episodes that we've seen, but um, I went with Sideshow Mel, actually. Interesting. We, we have a scene where Sideshow Mel and Jimbo kind of have a little bit of face-off, and it's kind of, like, hinted at that they have a back and forth, mm -hmm. which is so odd, because why would fucking Sideshow Mel be, like, arguing with a teenager? Mm -hmm. But fucking, like... In that moment when I saw that just strange animosity between these two characters, I saw our Sanji and I was like, 
Yeah, I can kind of see Mel as kind of like in in a not as like Wanzi, but in a role of Wanzi, you know, what he has yeah, to yeah. what he's forced to project on while well, he's um, you know, playing up Krusty. And there's probably also some sort of sketch where Sideshow Mel plays a chef that exists out there as well. Uh, I had four suggestions for him. My Rodrigo style was Ben Heathbar. Like, let's just stick uh, what's-his-face in here so he can get kicked in the face because he sucks real bad. Uh, I also had Stuart from All's Fair and Oven War. Handsome Pete. Ooh. And uh, Dr. Tad Winslow, Moe's persona, uh, after he uh, has his face plastic surgery. But uh, what's this? We're getting a message in from our listeners. Alex K., uh, who was one of the hosts over on the One Piece podcast, uh, and this was also double supported by Mike Patton, suggested the Mad Hatter, uh, who warns Lisa away from reading. And I will drop the photo in uh, for that once I remember that it's on Blue Sky and not in Discord. Uh, if you haven't uh, joined Blue Sky and you'd like to, uh, if you can join the Discord and then let me know. I I have a bunch of Blue Sky uh, invites that I could give you. Um, yeah, I feel like this has pretty solid freak energy. Uh, and then uh, King Atticus suggested the <laughs> French pastry chef. Like, that Mad Hatter, I think, is a very good choice. <laughs> like, the more that I looked at it. <laughs> oh my god. God, I gotta give it to them. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the board, Alex. Uh, now I have to track you down and uh, get your suggestion or get your pick for the next episode. Uh, then we have Nero. Uh, who do you have for Nero? I have uh, Squirrel Dr. Nick from the island of Dr. Hibbert. Mm -hmm. The guy's like some kind of weird fucking cat mongoose thing and it's like just a weird like face. How's just like, ah, what, what untrustworthy squirrely kind of face do, have I seen before on the island of Dr. Hibbert? But Squirrel Dr. Nick. Fair. Uh, my Rodrigo style was Doug, the cameraman for the Life Swap show, who just is not well treated. Uh, I also had Disco Shrew from the island of Dr. Hibbert. And then uh, as a second Rodrigo style, I also put on William Bly, because he is also similarly a 
young sailor who does not live up to expectations. We also kind of should save animal people. We can lose one of them tonight. You want to lose your shrew vanity or your squirrel genity? Let's who? Now I'm thinking like if I if I do that, then like what if there's like a doctor animal again? But then like there there are. Oh. And I feel a lot better burning Disco Shrew. Because, like, Chopper can't be the only animal medic. Surely. No, like we eventually get introduced to a full race of animal people. Oh my god, soap opera, animal hospital, except everybody is animals. I mean, yes, and Chopper has feels. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I feel like Disco Shrew is easier to get rid of. Damn, I got none of them this round. Well, we still have Soge King. And I mean You know what? Mm-hmm. I kind of want to hear from the people. On Soge King suggestions? Yeah, like, there's got to be a few angles that we're not thinking about that we can be able to think of such, like, a... You want to deign to grant the riffraff? The saying upon Soge King. Ah, what can I say? I'm feeling generous. Okay, okay. I have just posted into the Discord where people are are awake and looking. And uh, we'll see if we get anything that satisfies your cravings before the end of the episode. Otherwise, we'll save Soge King discussion for episode 43 of the show. Wow. Because, yeah, this is episode 42. So, Janine. Yes. I don't think we're actually going to have people respond in time. <laughs> uh, how, how, how do you feel about this episode? Um, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, like, um, from what I've seen online, this is kind of like the ending of the Water 7 arc and, like, Annie's lobby is kind of its own kind of arc. It's two arcs that are one, but yeah, they 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 are different because like Water Seven was about the mystery, and we solved the mystery, 
And so now we're going into a like race against the clock type arc that we've seen a few times before. Wow. Mm-hmm. It does feel in one sense formulaic that it does have that build up to the final confrontation. Mm-hmm. But you know, I watch wrestling. Mm-hmm. I get it. I know the formula. I will buy it every single time. Mm-hmm. I will live for the different moments when there's different subversions of my expectations as it goes through. Mm-hmm. And I will always pop for the, you know, references to stuff that happened before. Yeah. Um, Wait till we get to the flashback filler. Well, they found they found interesting ways to make fat flashback filler. <laughs> I I kind of looking back at it, kind of endeared a little bit to the losing memories bit. Oh no, this is this is going to be a whole whole different thing. Uh, Mike has also suggested Fallout Boy. I mean, if you just want to go with Fallout Boy, I can go with Fallout Boy. Get you a point on the board. Uh, no, let's do the next episode. I mean, like, I, I really want to, like... Give people some time to think about this. Yeah. Get fully yeah. invested. All right. Uh, well, do you think you know who the next Straw Hat crew member is going to be? Well, judging by this now, it seems pretty uh, obvious that it, it's it's got to be Frankie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was the point where it was kind of like, oh, yeah, he, uh, he's he got a lot more build than we expected. Uh, half the people who were candidates turned out to be evil, and uh, Polly is seeming more and more underpowered. Yeah. Not only that, but, like, um, Frankie has a very solid dream. Mm-hmm. One that can easily, like, fill the Straw Hats need when they need a ship, and he wants to build one that can go around the world, which is where Nami wants to go to be able to map it. Well, and I think it also fits a lot more with the aesthetics as opposed to Polly's, hey, let's not have any scandalous women. (laughs) Instead, let's just have a guy that's just like, yeah, basically just kind of like wearing the minimum amount of clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is going to be the dad on the crew in the familial roles. Well, are you ready for some quick Frankie trivia? Sure. All right. What do you think that Frankie smells like? Uh, root beer and tanning oil. Uh, cola. Ah. What do you think his favorite food is? Cool. Shrimp tempura. 
He loves hamburgers, french fries, and stuff that goes with cola. Oh, okay. What is his least favorite food? Uh, salad. Marshmallows, because they are not hard enough. Huh, okay. Mm-hmm. You're, you're picking up more about him. You're, you're figuring out more about what he would uh, kind of roll with. Um, yeah, uh, some other interesting things is he does not eat ice cubes. He likes his fried egg over easy and slow cooked with butter shoyu. Cool. And he has the fourth highest alcohol tolerance of the straw hats. Huh. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's one that I don't remember uh, who the others were. Oh, that was. Oh. Oh, oh, I was going to say that was relatively early, and it's like, oh, no, that's actually further than when I am in reading. Uh, so at this point on the crew, he has the third highest tolerance. Do you want to guess the others? Have we met them yet? Uh, I will hold out on the two who we have not met yet. So then there would just be... One person that I know right now that would be a stronger drinker than Frankie. Uh, there'd be two. There'd uh, be Frankie two. is in three. Frankie is in the third spot. All right, let's see here. Nami. Uh, she is above Frankie, but not in that number one spot. Oh. Oh, no, I will. No, who? Sanji. Uh, no, Sanji is just after Frankie. Oh. Usopp? Uh, nope, Sanji, or Usopp is, uh, after Sanji, but there is someone in between them. Uh... Where's Luffy? Uh, after Usopp. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think that Zoro or Chopper hold their alcohol better? Oh my god. Uh, I guess I guess it would have to be Zoro, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I guess, yeah. like, I don't really, like, associate him with drinking so much, but I, if he's strong in all, every other aspect in life, I do kind of feel like we haven't gotten to that point with him yet, which, uh, based on where I am, it's like, oh yeah, that is kind of weird. But, uh... Yeah. Alright, well, uh, we have gotten two more comments in from that one welder guy and King Atticus, who also are on team Fallout Boy. Oh, wow. I didn't yeah. think it would be not only that fast, but that unanimous. Yeah, I, I'm willing to go with Fallout Boy, Millhouse. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. 
Alright, I've made you get a point on the board for yourself, Janine. Sorry hey. for everyone who wasn't in the Discord. You should join the Discord. Uh but this is this is this was a group effort. You came up with a suggestion though. <laughs> and everyone else just happened to correspond to yours. Uh, so to recap who we have, Sodom is Demel, Gamora is Hoppy, T-Bone is Mutant Sachamel. Soke King is Fallout Boy Millhouse, Wanzi is the Mad Hatter, and Nero is Disco Shrew. We'll see you next week as we meet the rest of CP9 and a bunch of people get their shit wrecked. Janine, where can people find you online? <laughs> Sorry, I I caught a glimpse of the fucking Mad Hatter again. Um, I'm I'm still somehow on Twitter, uh, Janine Juliet, but um, follow me instead on Blue Sky. I don't have enough Blue Sky followers. Um, that is JanineJuliet.Bisky.Social, and um. I don't know, maybe another app soon or another um, site. I'm not sure. I'm very wishy-washy on them, but, you know, like everybody else, it's like we don't really know what the vibe is going to be like on any other particular one. So I don't yeah. want to make too much accounts. I don't, I don't want to spread myself too thin. Because I want to do more online than just, like, go on socials. But, like, yeah, no, add me on Blue Sky. Fair enough. Uh, you can find me on Blue Sky at Coltrek. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. I also have an Instagram that's under a different name because I got locked out of the Coltrek Instagram account. Uh, that's Q's and Tancers, which is a deep cut. Um, beyond that... Uh, I have an itch.io account where you can go and download my comics, and apparently people have been downloading that, so that's great. And then beyond that, I think that's kind of everywhere you can find me now. New project coming in the new year. Uh, Mike Patton, our artist for the covers currently, can be found at Patton Pending, P-A-T-T-E-N-P-E-N-D-I-N-G, on the Instagram and the Blue Sky Give him a shout out. Uh, he does very good jobs in what he's doing, and you should all give him money to do work for you. And yeah, uh, you can follow the show on Blue Sky at Domad's Dawn. We'll also put up links to the Discord there. I put up one before recording this very episode. And also, if you want episodes early, I have my own Patreon, which is under my name, Luke L-U-K-E-H-E-R-R. Uh, this has been a kind of weird, rambly episode, but we are at the end now. Janine, I'll see you next week, where, or I'll see you next episode where you're going to meet a big old guy who can't keep his mouth shut. Catch you then. Smooth sailing. Right, 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 right.